Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nokia spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones. The game winner got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown to one Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Tuesday is a good day because it's another day closer to the weekend and ETSU men's basketball taking on Western Carolina. And can the women's basketball team continue to stay hot after two big wins last week against Furman and Wofford? We'll turn our attention Thursday and Friday towards those contests. But it uh, means we've got a little time to fill. Maybe not as much uh, game previews for the next couple of days. A couple of fun segments. We move pros versus Jays to today. Of course, I hate that. Mike somehow seems to enjoy all of that fun stuff. Uh, we'll also have Austin Herrick. He did a nice little two-part special, right? Yeah, uh, this is going to be, a, I think, kind of a surprise to some people. Uh, the last three weeks for Austin Herrick have been wild, uh, completely out of nowhere, and they involve football maybe becoming a part of his life in terms of playing it again. So definitely stick around for that because this is something he hasn't told a lot of people about. It's been kind of under the radar, but uh, talked to us about it for about 20 or so minutes today and about 15 or so tomorrow. Two parts because there are really two distinct things to talk about in this entire pack of things he's got going on. And we'll do a top 25 today. Looking forward rest of the week. Uh, Lando's Land will be back. We'll uh, also have uh, one of our favorite segments. Bless you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> on Thursday, I tried to try to make the save. On Thursday, Crazy Coach is back with us. Also have four quarters. We've got the weird Wednesday tray. I don't even know what it's called segment. Yeah. Uh, top 25, interesting to see how the shakeup uh, went down as far as the mid-major polls go, and we'll take a look at that. And on then, of course, Friday we'll have a recap of Thursday's game for the for the women on the road at Sanford. We'll also uh, preview that, and then our bold prediction. So a busy week, but uh, uh, also I forgot to mention uh, uh, tomorrow we'll look in depth at the football schedule yes. and what that is for 2019. But let's start with uh, today. Last night, each issue radio coaches show had a chance to hear from head coach Steve Forbes. Yeah, another great conversation. I thought got him, got him for an hour on WXSM AM 640 on the Buccaneer Sports Network, and you could hear that online, of course, or if you're in person down at Wild Wing Cafe, 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City, 6 to 7 every Monday night with Coach Forbes. And we heard audio about UNCG yesterday. I don't want to revisit that game anymore. People that were there, 5,700 of them, I'm sure that they have their thoughts, and Coach Forbes shared his with us yesterday. So uh, last night, pulled some audio for the game upcoming, and firstly, there was some reminiscing about one of Steve Forbes' old friends. You know, I had a nice relationship with Larry, and I can remember our last conversation we had before he passed, and he had called me about getting to know my agent because he still wanted to coach. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, Larry had coached 40-some years, and I thought he'd just be done. But he still wanted to do it, and I felt really bad. And then, um, you know, Mark Prosser got the job, and he's done a really good job. And, uh, you know, the, the probably about 12 hours before his father passed away, I passed him in the hallway in Orlando. It was in the summertime, and it was at Disney where we all go to recruit. And I was in Tennessee. 
I was checking into my hotel late, and he was going to his room. And we didn't really know each other. And I passed him. I said, hey, Coach, how you doing? He said, good. And then he flew home that morning and went jogging at noon and passed. And so um, I'll never, I kind of never forget that. Coach Hunter uh, obviously kind of unexpectedly passed away last year. Very sad situation. And you actually said it on the broadcast last night. You said, Skip Prosser, new coach there. You're like, wait a second. No, 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 Skip Prosser. That, that's, that's not correct. That's Mark Prosser, who is Skip's son. So uh, obviously a, a coaching situation that was evolving over a number of months and just because of some very uh, tough situations out in Cullowee, but uh, some relationships that Coach Forbes had with Coach Hunter and Coach Prosser as well. Yeah, the, you know, the coaching world is, is still a, a small community, even though you sit there and you look at it and you go, well, there's 300 and something uh, Division One universities, and you talk about relationships with junior college coaches and, and guys that were in the business, not in the business, or, or whatever it may be. So it's amazing to me uh, how quickly you can just say, like, somebody's name or whatever and then uh, the coaches always give you like a six degrees of, of separation or whatever <laughs> and how it always comes back together right so uh, it, it was amazing to say that and to get sort of that perspective because I did not know um, that coach uh, and Skip Prosser ran at each other right before that I only knew uh, coach Prosser Skip the elder because him and Ed DeCellis were very good friends when I was here Skip used to come over and visit when he was at Wake Forest and and all that, so I'd, I'd see him around. I never talked to him or knew him or anything like that. But uh, uh, and then just a Freudian slip, right? You hear Prosser. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking just right off the bat, you know, uh, go to Skip instead of his son. And you know, I think he's done a tremendous job, uh, Mark Prosser, of, of sort of trying to turn around Western Carolina short time. And we'll talk about that more as the week goes along. But they certainly are improved uh, in where they were a year ago. Yeah, wins over Citadel and Stanford. Non-conference didn't go their way uh, too often, but. Certainly have played some tight games. Only lost to UNCG by nine at BMI. I'm sure that's a game they would have liked to pull out, but uh, the key that's at home or, or a tough beat depending on the night. Uh, but, again, we will talk about that more later in the week. Uh, and prep, though, since you don't have a game on Thursday, this is one of those weeks where it's just Saturday to Saturday. Of course, already has begun for Coach Forbes and the squad. It's always a tough game to go play down there. We do have a week to prepare for. I like that right now. We usually have a good crowd, which will help us. And, you know, we're going to have to go down there and play. They've played a lot of teams tough in there, and uh, so we're going to have to go in there. I haven't watched any film on them yet. I will start probably tomorrow. we got the day off. You know, I, 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 was, I watched the Greensboro game a couple times just to get a feel, you know, to see if I saw what I thought I saw. And so I'll, I'll start working on them tomorrow. Yeah, and I think ETSU's crowd has, while it's drawn perhaps, and especially the student section, some uh, reviews that haven't been so flattering this year with students being gone for a while and the numbers being a bit down, uh, certainly showed out against UNCG. And uh, even going over to the women's side, uh, people keep kept showing up for this team that has had a rough opening and crowds continue to be good. ETSU's fans, and we don't have to belabor the point because we talk about it so often, but uh, they're always the top notch in the SoCon. Um, and you see them even, you know, defending the brand on Twitter and such and getting into some uh, some conversations, let's just say, on Twitter with other fans, which I like to look at the dialogue between fan bases and have some fun with that myself. But uh, certainly today is when Coach Forbes is going to get really heavy into prep, but I know the players have had a couple of days off just to kind of rest, recoup a bit, uh, look back at UNCG, and now try and put their efforts towards Western. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see as uh, the, the, the Catamounts very – uh, in, interesting dynamic. They've got a lot of guys back. Uh, you, you know, Omar Steger, Mark Goslin, and uh, Marcus Thomas, uh, the local product, Matt Halverson. And then they got a couple new guys, Cameron Gibson and then Carlos Dotson. 
is is maybe the most equivalent to uh, Jerome Rodriguez. He's averaging close to a double double, and you know if you want to round up, he is. He's at nine point seven rebounds, and so he's a he's a uh, he's a big guy, and so I think that will be one of the most entertaining matchups, or at least the one I'm looking most forward to. Uh, as far as Western and ETSU, taking a look at Jomi Rodriguez, who still leads the nation in uh, total rebounds. And then you're looking at Carlos Dotson, who's 6'7", 265, a junior college transfer. Uh, and so it, it, he got hurt and actually didn't play against Piedmont, took a nasty spill at the end of UNCG game. Uh, we'll talk uh, a little bit later in the week. Uh, we'll try to get an update. Uh, Daniel Hooker is going to try to join us from Western Carolina, handles all their broadcasts. And so we'll try to see if he can give us an update on Carlos Dawson. But if he can go versus Drummond Rodriguez, I think that will be the most interesting matchup of the weekend as far as player versus player. Don't have the bite from Coach Forbes this week or last week, but he now two weeks in a row when asked, who does Jerome Rodriguez remind you of in terms of a rebounder, in terms of someone that crashes the glass and really – has success, but also in the way that he does that and has success. And I thought very strong words from Coach Forbes that uh, Paul Millsap, who is someone that I think he said last night led the country in rebounding three years in a row, which is outrageous. And then, of course, I I remember him from his time with either um, New Orleans or the Utah Jazz in the NBA. had a very successful NBA career. I don't think it's still going, but uh, he had a little brief still in the Hawks, too. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> 10, 12 years at least he lasted in the NBA. So um, very flattering to say that about Jerome, and I think that he certainly earned all the praise. And here's just a little bit from Coach Forbes on Western Carolina. Mark's done a nice job, and, you know, he's got some guys back that we know. Goslin, who seems like he's been there about as long as Alonzo at uh, Greensboro. And uh, Mark Goslin, he's got a junior college transfer from Central Florida. The last name is Dotson. That's rebounding the ball kind of at the same clip that Romy's re- rebounding it at. Um, Halverson's back to can shoot it. Um, you know, it, it'll be a hard game. Yeah, so just to, to echo some of the things that you were saying, and just to tell you what he thinks of how long Francis Alonzo has been in UNCG compared Matt Halverson to that. He said, I believe on the last coach's show, that it seems like he's been there since the beginning of the Southern Conference in, what was it, 1919? 1919-1920. Yeah. So we're talking about a century for Francis Alonzo, so it seems like that way with Matt Halverson, too. Yeah, I mean, you just look at some of the numbers and uh, the the amount of time that's uh, put in it. And I think, um, you know, you look at Goslin and some of those other guys that were together that that it was on the – and I want to say Goslin was on the team when they beat uh, Bartow uh, that last year. Uh, and I know Steve Ford's fourth year. I want to say he may have redshirt one year. I could be wrong on that. But there a couple guys that have been around for a while uh, on that squad uh, that can go. And then there's a couple guys that – uh, were on the squad last year that didn't particularly get a lot of action that that is getting a lot of action. Uh, Ono Stanger is another one. Marcus Thomas was a guy last year went for like 25 in a game and then went like eight games where he didn't play. And so uh, you take a look at some of these guys that, that were with the, the, the squad last year. And, you know, new coach, new system, new things, how do they fit in? You know, maybe Thomas didn't fit in exactly what Coach Hunter wanted to do. Uh, but he's fitting in what Coach Prosser wants to do. So, uh, Bucks usually outnumber the number of fans at Western Carolina. I expect that again, and so we'll see uh, if ETSU has that advantage in Colorway. It's a night game, though. I'm not sure how that affects. It's, it's usually been an afternoon, Saturday at like four o'clock, give or take. You're saying Colorway is going to turn up, is what you're saying. <sighs> I'm hoping it's going to be lit. 
Well, yeah, you're talking a different language. Okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm too old all right. uh, for all that. But yeah, no, I'm hoping the fans uh, show up and and do that. Now, you know, a couple of years ago they actually had a fight break out in the stands. I'm not pulling for that. Wow. Uh, but hopefully we That's can fashion. avoid the, uh, the the fisticuffs at the end of the game. And interesting. it's interesting because each issue won by like 45. So I'd, I'd have, you know, normally you get that at a tight ball game or this that, and other. But th- this one was a blowout. Well, well so. tempers flare. You know, emotions sometimes on the court. You see emotions when what, something's going really hard one way, and the trash talk is really getting to a level where other people don't appreciate. And I can see that happening in the stands, especially knowing the passion of some of these Southern Conference fans on every side of the ball. I think it took everybody by storm. I ended up remember reading the final stats and just kind of stopped and gave play by play of the brawl in the stands oh, yeah. for a second. Hey, keep it keep it interesting. Before, yeah, describe the picture. Well, no, and I, I said that, that that was the most competitive thing there was on the, in the building that <laughs> well day. So there we go. Yeah. All right. So that's a little bit of look uh, recap from Coach Forbes last night. Uh, when we come back, pros versus Jays. Then we'll have uh, segment. Uh, What's that? The next segment with Austin Herring, the first of a two part series with him. Top 25 still to come on this Tuesday edition of Santos and the Sidekick. Don't forget to download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. We're back after this timeout. Your work Van Wagner on the Buccaneer Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead, enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Make your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Peaceful mornings always <sighs> turn into crazy days. With all the madness, when's a mom supposed to find time for grocery shopping? Fortunately, Food City offers curbside pickup. With the same great in-store prices, I can pick up what I want online. And Food City does the shopping for me. Here you go, ma'am. Have a nice day. <sighs> that moment you realize you are the chaos coordinator. Go, Kelly! Mother like no other. With go-kart curbside pickup. Only at Food City. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. 
They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Not doing it. No? Yeah, all. all right. Uh, well, you'll be very happy to know. <laughs> Am I not on this? Yeah, you'll be very happy to know this week that I'm actually using Pros vs. Jays to catch us up on a topic that we missed during the time that we were in our uh, legal, uh, I want to say, battle, uh, struggle, um, skullduggery, tomfoolery, things like that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know really what legal words sound like, mm-hmm. but I think they're more like that than sure. battle or struggle. Uh, but I, we miss a really massive piece of Southern Conference um, drama, I guess. And it's kind of been involving someone that has been maligned by fans and talked about by broadcasters and is a um, ever-known presence around this league now, someone that causes a lot of controversy. Uh, and the pro that we're going to be comparing it to is someone I think that often gets forgotten about. So it's a chance for you and me to talk about the Southern Conference person of question and the fact that this is a talk show, we can do this, uh, you know, we're not going to rip anybody professionally or anything, we're just going to gather opinions and talk about a lot of the storylines that swirl around this person, Uh, but the pro has also had plenty of storylines as well around him, and I think it's forgotten about in the conversation, the pantheon of sports broadcasters, despite his resume being what it is. Adrian Broner fought Manny Pacquiao, and I know I'm the only one that cares about boxing on the face of the earth. No, 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 I... I, Grew up on boxing. Uh, boxing. Yeah, yeah. Huge I, boxing guy. That, I, actually, that's where I'd, uh, I used to argue with people back in the day that Joe Tessitore was maybe the best play-by-play guy that nobody knew. Now, all of a sudden, he's got, right. now he's got mainstream. Everybody knows right. him. But I thought Joe Tessitore was uh, a guy, especially his early days, when he was just doing the Friday night fights, was unbelievable. Yeah, and he still will do some of the big-time stuff for them, but obviously is now more known as the Monday night football guy. And there's some great boxing voices out there. We owed one, Jim Lampley, at the end of last year. Uh, this is more of a sideline, hard-hitting reporter-type person, Jim Gray, 
who has certainly gotten in the news for things that are not so uh, that don't put him in such a positive light because he kind of becomes the story when he's supposed to be reporting on the story. But you look at his Wikipedia page and the things that he's done. He's covered World Series, Super Bowls, Olympics. He's interviewed all the big athletes. He's gone outside of that, interviewed 8, 10, 12 presidents. So his resume stacks up with pretty much anyone. And I'm guessing this one will not go on his highlight reel, even though, for humor's sake, perhaps it should. Bring your here. I got a lot to say. We're going to conduct this professionally or we're not going to have an interview. You make the decision. What did you think about the fight? What you, I beat him. Everybody out there know I beat him. Everybody out there know I beat him. I controlled the fight. He was missing. I hit him clean more times. I beat him. You averaged eight punches. Less than eight punches was the most punches that you had in the round, and it seemed as though you couldn't get it close enough. Like, it already sounded like you was against me. So I already ain't, I already, I already ain't got a fair fact. shake talking to you. But let me talk something. Let me let y'all know. I want to thank the whole hood who came out here. I love y'all. I did this for the hood. Y'all know I beat that boy. Y'all know I beat that boy. They trying to, what they trying to do is they trying to get that money again with Pacquiao and um, Floyd. But it's cool. I ain't worrying about it. I'm still that man. I'm on top Cincinnati. Stand up. West side. Two five. You're three three and one in your last seven fights. What will you do next? Hey, I'm three three and one in my last seven, but I'll be seven no against you. Well, that wouldn't mean much. That's the end of this interview. Good luck to you in the future. That's Jim Gray on Showtime Boxing. Adrian Broner is certifiably out of his mind. He got dominated by Manny Pacquiao that night, and he's a guy that came into boxing and really took the sport in his weight class by storm and was looking like he would be the next big thing, Floyd Floyd Mayweather-type fighter, but he is certainly... Um, regressed and there's been a backslide and he hasn't turned into what people would have thought and some people are saying about that interview like he seriously has mental delusions you could hear the crowd when he was shouting out the crowd and when specifically he said I beat him I beat that boy the boos were raining down on him Um, he has been surrounded by I think what a lot of people consider to be uh, bad influences quote unquote that have kind of taken his focus away from boxing and have put him more into um, circles that he they're not conducive to his success. But Jim Gray, uh, you know, I give him credit because he stood right up to him. Jim, Jim Gray has been in a lot bigger situations than that. He's interviewed a lot bigger names than Adrian Broner. He was not intimidated by Adrian Broner saying, I'd be 7-0 against you. Well, you're saying that you would beat a 60-year-old man in a boxing match when you're 30, you're a boxer, and he's a reporter. So I don't think that that's going out on too far of a limb. Great interview, I thought. Adrian Broner, out of his mind, got dominated, thinks that he won. Jim Gray not happy. Did, did Broner drop a Cincinnati and a West Side in the same thing? He did. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I think, I think uh, West Side of Cincinnati is what he was going sure. for. Sure. No, no, no. I, 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 I've never been to – well, I've been to South Cincinnati. I don't know if that counts Maybe or not. Maybe it's tough. But, uh, Maybe it's an intro. I, I, I just enjoyed that, that he dropped several references there. And, you know, his, his – Friends and family, and he called yeah. him the hood uh, oh, yeah. from the neighborhood. Came and the hood sound like they appreciated him. But uh, you know, it's it's tough uh, sometimes to be a pro when stuff like that goes on. Yeah. I thought Jim did that. I I go back to Jim Gray when the sort of the steroid issue was coming up, and it was he was Major League Baseball, and the first game of World Series, he, he kind of hammered some guys on that, and then the next two games. Nobody talked to him. They'd go up there for the interview. Yeah. He would ask a question. They all walked away. And uh, I think it was NBC at the time had to make a change. And, and they had to pull Jim from the World Series. He's not afraid to ruffle some So, uh, you know, he, he, you could say what you want to about him, right? But if he's got a question, he's got an agenda, he's going to ask, he's going to go. So, I, I, you know, that's a, that's a tough interview, too, because 
in boxing and the fighting mixed martial arts, any of those type things, any of those guys could lose it at any moment. Like I'm, I think Jim stayed in there longer than I would have and just said, okay, thanks for the interview, and uh, move, move about your day. I love that he came out strong. We're going to do this professionally or not at all. You make the choice. And that was right after Broder said, you get your bleepity bleeping bleep over here. Already cursing at Jim Gray. Uh, but Jim was Jim was a fighter. Now, I was going to ask you, and I wish that I had sound like this, if it has happened, because it would be absolutely perfect. But has anyone that you have ever interviewed or that you have been talking to on air ever threatened to fight you or beat you in a fight as Adrian Broner did to Jim Gray? No, even, even when I used to do I a, a call-and talk show, I don't, and I used to make callers really, really, really mad. Yeah. But no, nobody had. Now, I'm sure people have wanted to. Sure. Uh, there are clips of, uh, of uh, you know, obviously when the Bucks win, I, I get a lot of control. I'm sure there's some other fans that circulated would like to punch me in the face just for that. But I feel that about it's fandom in general, right? Yeah. You hear a good call from somebody else, and uh, you know, angry man gets mad at a lot of people about that. So <laughs> maybe we can ask him about it. But no, no, uh, I've not on air. Um, I've had somebody. You know, I want to say it was. Uh, oh, y'all have this. Uh, Mike Ayers from Wofford actually one time wanted to. And it was the last year of ETSU football, and I asked him a question because he was at ETSU, and I thought it was an innocent one about uh, because at the time a couple teams had dropped football. Uh, ETSU had dropped it, and I just asked him if he felt like this was a disturbing trend. Now, obviously, more teams have added since then, but at the time, there were two or three teams that had dropped, and you know, and, and really, I wanted it because he was at ETSU. I was looking for something else, and he just looked at me and said, "Son, I'm not going to talk about that." And then he got so that's about as close as I got, and, and he gave me a stare that I, I don't want to deal with anymore. But I, I wasn't trying to ruffle feathers. I thought that was a very. I was actually giving him a for him to say no and go right. and do whatever, but he didn't take it that way. Make your point, yeah. That was probably the closest. Well, we almost came to fisticuffs at Freedom Hall over break. I'm coming to nothing. I, I literally said, are you stepping to me right now? I mean, that's what I said. I mean, like, like that's what I, I think is hilarious is in the, in the world. In the, It's not a real world out there because a guy like that stepping to me is not realistic. I mean, if we're out, if we're out on the street, he's running the other way just if he sees me walking by. You know, like... Uh, you know, not that I'm, this right? I mean, just, I'm 6'9", probably 280 right now. Not a lot of people step to me, you know, so I, I think it's kind of, I think it was a, it was kind of an unprofessional. So, topic of what ended up being a national story and topic of what the SOCON talks about a lot when it comes to refereeing. Carl has who it looked like from the video, raced over to Scott Padgett, men's basketball coach for Stanford. Yeah, no in doubt. that very tight game, 17-point lead for ETSU. Stanford ends up coming back, uh, and they go to overtime. ETSU pulls it out in OT. But you can hear Scott Padgett, and I know we're late to the story here, and we're kind of rehashing something from a few weeks ago, but we didn't have the chance to talk about it. It's not something you can just fly by. Uh, Scott Padgett and Carl Hess coming to blows would be one of the most hilarious things, not for Carl Hess, but for, I think, a lot of Southern Conference fans that are not so fond of Carl Hess. Well, the, here's how you know generally somebody's in the wrong when both fan bases, right, and and ETSU fans, and you, you, you said it, sometimes they can be a little uh, over-the-top fanatical than, than other ones. Love that about them. <laughs> no, it's what makes – the people That's come to the games, That's right? Great. That's yeah. what makes the environment at Freedom Hall what it is. Some makes of our it favorite at, fans, yeah. Yeah, at William B. Green Junior Stadium. Yes. You know, what makes it at Thomas Stadium and all these other places. So, um, that's what makes it happen. But when a fan base so rabid that way that pull against the opposing team to a fault, all come to the aid, basically, 
of that, then you know something egregious has happened. And to watch, you know, and, and what is Scott Pageant going to do? I mean, he can't. He can't. He can't say back. anything. Well, obviously, <laughs> not only suspension, but he he's gonna. You know, he he may not ever coach again right. if you do something like that. Uh, then you know you you say something back, you get teed up, and what, or you get ejected. In a tight game, yeah, right. you know, the, the the game was still in doubt. It was still in the regulation. There's a game that went to overtime, so there's a lot of things there. But to see an official being aggressive now, and other times we've seen Carl Hess because it was two nights later he teed up. Uh, I think it was uh, Coach Young, right from Wofford, uh, Mike Young, and he did a good job of trying to not tee up Mike Young and trying to I think Carl in the long run doesn't want to in a in a weird way I think he tries not to affect the game but ends up affecting games that makes sense <laughs> so he tried forever not to give coach Young a technical foul and then when he finally gave him a warning when coach Young desperately deserved a technical foul he still gave him a warning still unbound the ball still got up the court and finally as Coach Young tracked him down, gave him the technical foul, which at that point Coach Young wanted the technical foul. Well, I'm sure Carl has saw all the stories from national outlets. They were like, look oh, at I'm Carl sure. charging at the 6 9 guy, so he probably was overcompensating. I, it could be, but we also saw him. At, he was in the UNCG game. I mean, there was a there was a situation where guys got together, right? I think Jeremy Rodriguez maybe had the best tackle of the game <laughs> by tackling and dragging uh, Isaiah Tisdale away from James Dickey because those guys, it was really the, over the, the loose ball, and that happens, right? Guys are fighting for a ball on the ground, and it's a hell ball situation. It's just people pawing and clawing. It's like a fumble yeah, in football, yeah, right? right? And, you know, did somebody hit somebody? Did they not? Somebody pile well, on late. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they would get an elbow throw, whatever right. it is. And so guys get together. And so they took a look at that. I think they understood the – what the game meant, where it was, situational, and just thought, eh, guys were competing. You know, some younger officials, I don't know, maybe maybe they, they assess uh, what I hate in the world, which is the cop-out double technical, right? They just, oh, let's just give a couple guys technicals, move on, nobody shoots free throws, and somehow everyone's happy. But, you know, I, I thought they handled that well. There was a couple other situations. So I think Carl is very aware of the situation. The man's been kicked out of leagues. Right, the man has been told you can't come back and work any more games here. Um, I think there's some around the Southern Conference that would like to see that happen in this league. Oh yeah, and then there's been other. And again, I I say because Coach Young was the first one to come out and defend Carl, but I say he did that because he knows he's going to see Carl again. Why would any coach? And I mean, even Scott Pageant didn't say get him out of our league because he knows he might see Carl Hess again. Now I don't believe he will in the regular season this year. I would hope but, not. But if he makes a run to the championship game and Carl's done the last several championship games, do you really think they're not going to let him in the championship game? I think they'll let him in the championship game, so you'll see him again. Here's one other tertiary aspect that brings in uh, pros versus Jays to Carl Hess. I enjoyed you saying, I think it was like two days before a game, oh, you know, I'm not a guy that bashes refs on air, and then Carl Hess happened to be at the next game, and you said something along the lines of, well, there's good old Carl Hess again. Good to see him, or something very sarcastic. No, just, no, I said on, it. I said. I said. That, say that, I said it was clearly past his bedtime. Yeah. Because he made he made a. I mean, it was it was bashing a him. You're It was him. a baffling call, and one I think. And I will say this: I've said it before. If a baffling call goes for each issue, I've said that. I try, I try to be at least honest about, oof, Bucks got one, right? I think you play I pretty try down be, the middle most of the time, but this just saying 24 hours earlier, I'm not one to bash refs on air. And then, oh, here's Carl has passed his bedtime. Yeah, I, mean, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say Carl should never call again. I didn't say Carl should quit his job. I don't, 
You're saying he's old and senile. At that call, yes. He clearly <laughs> he clearly fell asleep with the will. Good old Carl. Yeah, Carl. Yeah, always, good, always good talking. All right. Well, I'm glad you have a memory like an elephant. All right, that'll do it. Pros versus Jays. What do we got next year? Oh, Austin. Yeah, this Austin Herrick. Uh, no need to preview. You got no. 23 minutes with him. We're back after this time out on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we're transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official healthcare provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. McDonald's says they flash freeze their beef. Doesn't sound good to Wendy's, but someone might be into that. Tis I, Old Man Winter, and <clears throat> I'm not a fan of frozen beef either. Don't stereotype me. I prefer fresh beef just like anybody else. I'm only human ish. Skip the frozen beef from the frozen arches and head to Wendy's. Try a hot Dave's double and see how fresh, fresh tastes. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mark, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. Santos and the sidekick, and usually a Friday guest of the program is Austin Herrick, former ETSU quarterback and a man that's now progressed beyond ETSU, graduated with his master's in sports management, also has obviously an undergrad as well, only took you like, what, four and a half years to do that or whatever the case may be, but both degrees done, playing career done, obviously the storybook season, and now we're in the 2019 year, which has brought some exciting things into his life, and this is a Tuesday we're talking to you. This is going to be a two-part interview uh, because there's just so much to discuss with Austin Herrick. If you're new to the program, we used to do what was called the route tree in the 2018 portion of the 2018-19 year here in the athletic and academic season at ETSU. 
but things have progressed to the point where the hypothetical scenarios are no longer necessary to make up because Austin Herrick is facing some real-life route tree decisions of his own. And Austin, I think that in the first part of this conversation, we'll focus on the football side of things, and then let's do the business side in tomorrow's portion of the combo, if that's all right with you. And I guess I'm just going to hand it over to you. I don't want to break any of the story myself. This is your story. This is your life. This is your career. And so uh, just give us an update about what's been going on the last really three weeks. Yeah, so um, after after the season, I was completely content with you know that being the end of my football career. I obviously had a great time playing, and I really enjoyed it. But um, I didn't think there would really be any opportunities for me to continue to play. So, um, you know, I, I stayed in shape just because that's something I wanted to do uh, just as a human being. But, um, you know, I had, had the holidays, went on a vacation with my family. And then after that, uh, it was January 1st, and uh, I get a text from the GM and head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL uh, wanting me to come do a workout for them. They had seen my tape, and they wanted me to, to do a workout with them. And so um, it's like, you know, why not? Um, that's an opportunity that I never thought I would get and something, you know, if I didn't try it now, I'd never be able to. So um, I was like, well, okay, so let's start throwing again and, and doing those things. And then uh, shortly after that, I got a call from a buddy whose uh, father coaches for the Toronto Argonauts. And um, he was like, hey, you know, the Argonauts are really interested in you as well. And you might want to think about getting an agent since, you know, you've got some opportunities here. So um, he kind of set me up with an agent. Uh, I talked to him a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I guess we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Yeah, that, that's something we'll jump into a bit more uh, tomorrow because that's a whole other aspect that kind of blew my mind when we were first talking about it. I want to talk more about them kind of just sucking you back into football because I remember you were telling me, you were like, man, you know, it was such a great year and such a great, you know, career. And what a great way to end with this historic year. And you're kind of getting used to being done, you know, and going out and living – a semi-normal life for a guy your age and not having to be up at 6 a.m. and go work out if you didn't want to. I know you've been saying you've still been lifting and staying in shape since football and you may be in you know, even better shape now. Uh, but you know the fact that you were so content and it was over and then you get this text and you start to go through this process and um, it was obviously a, a great thing to be able to run through and continue to run through, but just kind of unexpected and took you by surprise and almost took you back a little bit because you're getting used to life. Yeah, and that's, I think that's been the most, um, I don't want to say difficult, but interesting part is yeah. that, yeah, I, I was completely content, and I still am. If it doesn't work out, then I'm cool with that. But um, I guess it's, like you said, the real-life route tree. There's, I've got really three different avenues I could take with going into athletic administration, getting into coaching, which I went to the coaches' convention in San Antonio with a few of my former ETSU teammates and then you know now this you know continuing to play opportunity so um, yeah it's kind of like do I continue to play and chase that dream or you know do I move on with my life and you know start to uh, establish a career making money yeah so you get this text what was it like the first second of january yeah it was like january that? one january yeah. first like, literally new year new you new chance new football opportunity yeah. just right in your lap and so you had what about two and a half weeks because the tryout ended up being this past saturday right yeah so i found out january first and then the trial ended up happening uh january 19th which was saturday 
And, uh, yeah, yeah, I started throwing immediately. I had to go buy a CFL football, yeah. uh, which was a little bit different than the college football. It's a lot bigger. Um, and so I had to get used to that and you know, get back in the swing of things in terms of training for a combine and, you know, training to, you know, throw routes to receivers again. Yeah, tell us, is there a difference between just training for – game action training during the year prior to the year gearing up for a football season and then training for a combine knowing you're going to be measured on certain things did they give you an itinerary beforehand no i did not get an itinerary so i just did a lot of research on youtube and things like that and so i was able to kind of find Very industrious. Like, yeah i was trying i found like you know other you know workouts that people had had with the cfl so i kind of had an idea um but it's absolutely different so with um, you know, training for workouts, it's not anything like real football. I think that's one thing that's different about football is it's really hard to simulate a game-like atmosphere um, when there's no, you know, season going on, whereas you could probably do that in baseball or basketball. So um, what you have to train for is, like, um, the 40. you got to train for um, the pro agility, all these different testing measures. And then, you know, you're not throwing – really against defense you're throwing to receivers and, and things like that so you don't have to work as much you know what they call off-platform throws where you're throwing on the run or things like that it's really just drop back and throw which is actually quite a bit easier right so where were you training where were you doing all this was it around DTSU did you get some receivers that you used to work with how did it all work so um I I got a workout plan from some of the guys here at ETSU and the Olympic training lab mm -hmm. so um, I was doing those workouts, and then I've got a quarterback trainer that I've worked with the past four or five years, uh, Quincy Avery. He's kind of the guy who helped me out with the other opportunity with the Argonauts. Um, and so I've been working with him in Atlanta and some of the uh, other quarterbacks down there, and then I threw up my high school to some of the receivers there as well. So. Now, you had a connection to the Saskatchewan Rough Ride. It's amazing how a world that's as big as this is with seven billion people on it and has you know incredible amounts of land mass you've got two people on the same continent that are separated by a few thousand miles but happen to have a connection and someone that is in a position of power with saskatchewan uh, mm -hmm. that kind of facilitated all this right yeah so i'm from cleveland tennessee and uh the guy who texted me from saskatchewan uh introduced himself as a guy from south pittsburgh tennessee which is about 45 minutes to an hour away so we know a lot of the same people, especially being football guys. You know, you just run in similar circles. And so he ended up being the head coach and the GM there, which is very unusual. I think there's only one other case in pro football like that, which is Bill Belichick with the Patriots. And so, um, yeah, that's actually a pretty ideal scenario for uh, a head coach and then an organization. But so anyway – that's a really good opportunity because he pretty makes he pretty much makes all the football decisions, and he's from you know 45 minutes away from my hometown, so he kind of knew about you know me growing up and my college experience and all that. So um, I was thinking, man, what a great opportunity! And so the trout was last Saturday. Well, on Thursday he takes a job with the Cleveland Browns, hmm. so that kind of washed out that connection. Um, so. It's just kind of that's how the world works. That's how sports work. Really, anything works. Is just um, you know what could be a great opportunity is you know changed up a little bit, and you know it still was an opportunity, but 
definitely things changed a little bit with that. I think there's two different mindsets you could take going into this experience last Saturday, and I certainly would have been someone that crumbled under the pressure, said, what a great opportunity, go out and try to do too much and probably look terrible. But uh, the other option is, and I don't know how much of a conscious option it is or, or if there's just people that are mentally stronger than others that can do this and take it this way, is that, you know what, I've had a great career, and I was ready to put that behind me remember it as a, a very fond time in my life and everything from here on is just icing on the cake where were you on that spectrum um yeah obviously you want to play good um anytime you go out there and compete you want to be the best one out there um but you know i i think one of the coolest parts about playing college football and playing at etsu when you've got a lot of fans in the stands is that you know i started 41 games in college so towards the end of that it's like what else could i really see that would get me you know, nervous or worked up. I'm sure if I ended up actually playing in a pro football game, those nerves would come back. But these workouts and things like that really aren't anything that um, get me too nervous because it's definitely not as hard as a game, and there's not as many people watching. So um, I just went out there and just treated it like I would any other workout. And, um, yeah, it really wasn't too many jitters, which, you know, I, I would get if I was playing a game properly. So when you first told me about this, I pictured, especially because of the connection that you had to the GM and head coach, that it was going to be kind of a one-on-one -on -one thing. And maybe I'm naive in the fact that our scouts and decision makers in an organization that is, and technically in another country, uh, come a few thousand miles to see one guy perform. You know, mm -hmm. Maybe they would bring you up there, do whatever mm -hmm. if it was just you. But it turned out there was more than that, correct? Yeah, and I think if I would have been like a more high-profile player, they probably would have had, you know, just <clears throat> like one-on-one. -on -one. You know, it would probably been a lot more intimate setting. But for that, it was kind of like an open trial where they invited certain people to come, um, which ended up being fun because you were able to get more work. We had more defensive backs, more receivers, and things like that to throw to. So, yeah, there were four quarterbacks there. There's a Division two player. There's a guy from Southern Miss a guy from Auburn, and then me. Um, and then there was probably a total of 40, 45 people at the tryout. Wow. So you're going up to Saturday, not tremendously nervous, just taking it as a fun, cool experience, see how it goes, not a whole lot of expectation you're putting on it. And you had to go the four hours to get there. Uh, you arrive, and how do things go? I mean, this is, uh, this is really exciting, I think, for a lot of ETSU fans, the fact that, you know, we're talking about a guy that's been uh, a hero on the football field in this community getting a chance to go play professionally. Yeah, so yeah, I was thinking it would go kind of like any other football camp where you you know, you know, go in, they take your height and weight, uh, you do the vertical, all those testing deals, and then you know, you you go out there and test, and then you go throw. And so, But in that, you know, obviously you would warm up, but I really didn't consider that because that just always happens. So I go in, you know, they, they take my information, um, they measure my height, my weight, my arm span, things like that. And they're like, all right, uh, quarterbacks, you guys are running the 40s to start. And I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. We'll warm up and do whatever. Um, but we didn't warm up. So really the first 10 yards of that 40 were the first 10 yards I'd ran all day after being in the car for, you know, four hours. Right. So 
Um, yeah, that was an interesting experience for me. And then you're liable to pull a Nomar Garcia par and tear your groin right off the bone going out of the batter's box. Like in the 40, you yeah. go from the gun and just boom, first step. Like I know that's how my body would react. Thankfully, you're a bit more athletic. Well, no, I always I kept saying that this year because I've been so fortunate to not be injured all through college football. Um, and I said, you know what? Um, this year, I'm just going to leave it all out there. Um, if I get hurt, it just makes the story better. Um, and so that's kind of how I approached that. I kind of laughed when they said, I'm like, oh, you know, if I, if I do whatever Nomar did and tear a <laughs> ligament off the bone right. or whatever, then you know, I can tell my kids one day, yeah, I'd have been the best CFL quarterback <laughs> ever had I not had that one injury, you know. Right. So, so, yeah, just it was one of those things where just whatever happens, happens. You hop out of the car and you go, and so you're against these other three quarterbacks and you're performing against all these other um, players that are obviously either trying to you know pick you off or players are on your side you're trying to connect with these receivers, which I imagine is difficult when you haven't worked with any of them. And, I mean, we've seen even in the NFL playoffs uh, or – directly before in the Minnesota Vikings case where Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen are yelling at each other on the sidelines 17 weeks into an NFL season yeah. about how our outs run. So getting on the same page with guys like that's got to be difficult. But how did you adjust in that span? Well, um, that is difficult. And that's why a lot of guys don't throw at the NFL combine because right. they've never thrown to these receivers before. So maybe yeah, a guys in the pro day. Exactly. So maybe a seven-step route to one guy is ran a lot different than a seven-step route to another guy or, you know, vice versa. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the thing. And I, I guess what I, I took from that, from going to camps all through high school, was you have to be really specific when you tell them what route to run. So instead of steps, I would say yards. Now tell them how I want to cut and sure. things like that so I can have the best idea possible of where they're going to be at. Because if you – Throwing timing routes to receivers when they've got DBs pressing them and you don't know who the receiver is or how good he is or how fast, that can be really challenging. So do they give you your results of your drills there? How did you feel you matched up compared to those other three quarterbacks? Did you feel like you were the best guy there hands down? Was it pretty close? Because you're throwing out names like Southern Miss, Auburn. I mean, these are FBS schools, especially Auburn, of course, You know, being yeah. the SEC school that it is. Um, I think a lot of people would have the preconceived notion, well, that guy's got to be legit. But uh, how did it go compared to those other quarterbacks? And, and personally, how did you feel? Um, yeah, I, I felt like I did pretty well. Um, I actually surprised myself. It was pouring down rain. Oh, wow. It was windy the whole time, oh. which is great throwing conditions. But <laughs> uh, no, So when I, when I was out there, I, I was like, you know what? Um, I, I feel like I'm doing pretty well. Um, I felt like I, I spun it as well as I could considering the conditions as well. Um, Competed with those other guys? Yeah, and, and I felt like, you know, I I was the best one there. Um, and honestly, I think I tested probably just as well as them in terms of running and all that, which is surprising. The guy from Auburn was a really good athlete, so he might he maybe was more fat or he was faster than me, but uh, I think on the change of direction things I was actually pretty good at because back in high school I used to work at this place called D1 Training. I had to, like, coach people up on those drills so I know the techniques of those things pretty well <clears throat> but yeah I thought I thought I threw the ball um, about as well as I could and I thought I matched up really well with those guys got to feel good walking away from that experience thinking even in those type of adverse conditions I had my best didn't leave anything there's no question marks then saying man if I could have just had 100 more throws with this bigger ball or if I just would have been out there a couple more hours in preparation, you truly feel like what you put forth was the best deal. 
Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't the best day I've had in my entire life, but it was a very good day where I think they could evaluate me. Sure. Um, and so, um, definitely proud of what I did. Um, I, I left it all out there, and you know, for whatever reason, I felt like I always played better when it rained. You know, we played mm-hmm. Wofford my junior year at home, and it rained pretty much the whole game. I threw it pretty well. Actually, the first game in the stadium, it rained, and I yeah. played pretty well that game. And right. then there's a few rain games this year that I was like, you know, I, for whatever reason, I've just always kind of played better in the rain. So um, I don't know. That that kind of provided some extra confidence, I think, too, because I was able to draw back on those experiences. Now, they didn't give you your measurables, right? They don't say, here's what you actually did? Yeah, usually they don't do that at, okay. at camps or combines. So, yeah, they didn't did tell me. Did it feel like a 4-4? Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> especially coming cold out of the car. Sure. So, so you're telling um, me if you would have had some stretching, you may have ran a four four. We can't rule that out. <laughs> we can't rule it out. Yeah. I mean, you've been a four six four seven guy, so I, I think that with your body getting some rest, you know, proper preparation, training. Really, I think if your body is at its peak, as you say it may be right now, I'm not ruling out any kind of four four. And then we're starting to talk NFL tryout, Michael Vick status. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you're, you take you're it. You're looking at the quarterback. I'm just putting, I'm putting pieces together. Here. Yeah. Okay, so what now? When do we find out what's going to happen? Is there other things they have to do in terms of tryouts with them? Uh, what are the next steps? So yeah, I, I talked to them after, um, and they said they would get in contact me contact with me this week. Okay. Um, to kind of see, um, you know, what the next steps are if they don't contact me this week. I'd assume that that's probably it. They weren't very interested. So, um, yeah, if they if they call me this week, then I would probably go to a mini camp, um, and that could be various different places. I, I think last year they had it in Orlando, mm. um, but I don't know if they'd be there again. Um, and so then um, from there, if I impressed them at the mini camp, then I would go to training camp, and then it's kind of like the NFL where, like, each week they cut people. Cut people down until they get their final roster. Okay, right. so now we talked about the different routes, right? And you said it yourself. You've got a few different routes you can go. So I believe it was the AFCA convention. Is that right? Right, yeah. Down in San Antonio that you went to. Uh, while all this other stuff is going on, you find out about that a couple days before you actually plan to go to the AFCA and, and start on that journey into yeah. administration with coaching or whatever may come up there. Yeah. How did that whole journey go? Um, well, that was a great trip. Um, we actually, me, it was me, Austin Gatewood, Corey Calder, and Dylan Dockery um, who went down there. And we, we all had planned this way back in the summer. And so you couldn't apply for your, um, your certification to be in the AFCA, which is the American Football Coaches Association, until you were done playing. So the day after we got beat by Jacksonville State, we all did that. Um, we were just really excited about coaching and going into that. And so the convention was great. It was very awkward um, <laughs> to you know, just go up to people and introduce yourself and meet right. people. Um, I, I'm sure most conventions are. but it's what you got to do, though, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I ended up talking to a lot of guys from around the SOCON, which was cool, um, to kind of hear you know, their perspective of our season, sure. um, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I talked to some of the former coaches we've had here that have went on to other schools, and then um, connections that I made from when I was at Middle Tennessee State. So, yeah, I was able to meet a lot of different people, and um, it was a, it was an eye-opening experience to see how many guys are looking to get into coaching who don't have jobs, and um, and see how many different levels there are, there are of college football, and um, how different those levels are. 
Um, but, yeah, what a great experience and a really fun trip with uh, some of my former teammates. I have to ask, what was the perception of ETSU's season? I would assume it would be nothing but – and you never know on the other side. Maybe I'm just speaking from being inside the ETSU walls and, and seeing things through blue and gold glasses. But you think it would be like, wow, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, no, they were. I think they were all really surprised. Um, I think one of the coolest conversations I had was with a coach who was the defensive coordinator at Robert Morris when we played him the very first year. Sure. And I was like, what did you guys think of us in 2015 when you were preparing for us? And he said, you guys were probably the worst team we played that year. I was <laughs> like, well, yeah, I could I could see that for right. sure. So yeah. no hard feelings. Uh, that's interesting. Uh so let's put things on pause for now. We'll come back tomorrow, talk about the whole agent side of things, which is a whole other thing that came up during this last three weeks. This is what happens when you don't have the show for a couple weeks. It's a holiday break. Things kind of back up, and so we got to keep you extra time. But uh, thanks for stopping by today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. That's Austin Herrick, former ETSU quarterback. You only have to wait 24 hours to hear from him again on Sandos and the Sidekick. That will be on Wednesday. I'm Mike Gallagher. Jay Sandos going to rejoin us when we're back on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Fun, fun, fun. I smell the newest Jumbo One with a chance at a $4 million top prize. It's so big, you can play both sides. Jumbo Bucks 300X. Good news, you don't need magic beans to meet this giant. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, giant-sized fun. Please play responsibly.
Well, we did have Joe Dwyer on uh, last week. He yeah. runs the uh, College Insiders, the President, CEO, whatever uh, else title you want to throw on it. But uh, it's his top 25. I thought it was great how he broke down how the actual voting went. They don't have a say in it. This, that, and other. that being said, the new top 25 is out, Mike. Yes, Gonzaga, of course, with 31 first-place votes. That's all that are available, 18-2 and two on the year number one in that poll. They've definitely settled into a groove in the West Coast Conference, 43-point win over Santa Clara, 31 over Pacific, et cetera, et cetera. No surprise to see them number one. Buffalo has the least losses amongst mid-major teams. They are 17-1. and one. Their only loss this year to Marquette, 103 to 85. That was back on December 21st. Number three is Wofford. We talk all the time about them, obviously still undefeated in the SoCon. Murray State has maybe the most statistically prolific and maybe most athletic player in all the land. Someone that's projected as a top five pick right now, Jay Morant, is dropping 24 a game. Also, he's impressive. 11 assists a game. I've seen a couple of their games this year. He's really impressive. Leading the nation in assists at 11 per game and then also uh, six rebounds, too, so he can do a little bit of everything. Hofstra has been incredibly stout. 14 wins in a row after starting 3-3. Three and three. They're 17-3 and three and up to number 5 in the mid-major point. And I do want to point out, yeah. I think all five of those teams, and obviously Gonzaga, but are getting votes in the regular top 25 now. Hofstra and some other ones as well. So, And you've got San Francisco at number 6. Uh, UNCG. Uh, ETSU really wasn't hurt by the UNCG loss a ton. UNCG was helped by it a bit. They were number 10 last week. ETSU was number 8. And the Spartans do move above ETSU to number 7 in the poll. The Bucks fall to number 9 with Lipscomb in between them out of the Atlantic Sun, who moved up three spots as well. So ETSU only moves down one spot, but UNCG moves up three. Yeah, to me that's fair. I, I, nothing I more than hurt dro- more. Yeah, but the deal that drives me crazy is when a – if, if a team isn't ranked in the top 25 and they win, I don't know if they should necessarily jump like 70 spots to, to leapfrog somebody. But I do feel like if teams are fairly, fairly close in a top 25, there should be a flip-flop. And um, I don't think you have to overcompensate the, the team that was ranked lower, but I do think you have to drop the team that was higher. And especially I think you have to take consideration ETSU was a home team at, at that point too. Uh, so I think that's all fair by the voters and to me worked out. One of the teams that drops the furthest uh, right after UC Irvine rounds out the top 10, Belmont goes from number 6 to number 11. They had an overtime loss to Jacksonville State last week, did rebound by beating Tennessee State on ESPN Plus on Saturday by 18, but that overtime loss to Jacksonville State hurt them. They were number 6 down to number 11. Uh, The Atlantic Sun, their uh, second team, in this poll at number 12. Liberty is 16-4. and four. Then you've got Stony Brook at 16-3. and three. Vermont, 15-4. and four. Toledo out of the Mid-American. Stony Brook and Vermont back-to-back America East teams. Then New Mexico State out of the WAC. Texas State, 16-3. and three. They continue to climb the poll after being number 22 and unranked the week before that. South Dakota State hanging around the bottom half of the teens out of the Summit League. Of course, uh, Mike Dom has had a great year and is still having a great year. But He's still are, there, too. That's another guy that's been there forever. Yeah, without a doubt. He's not having, I don't think, the impact in terms of the win losses that people may think that uh, that he would have. But still, fifteen and six, they're probably losing what at most one or two games the rest of the year. Then there's Furman. That's the last Southern Conference team in the poll. So ETSU with three, or pardon me, the Southern Conference with three in the top nine, and then Furman, the fourth Southern Conference team at number nineteen. But they drop 
seven spots, partially due, I'm sure, uh, to their loss to ETSU. Georgia State, number 20. Yale out of the Ivy League. That is the only Ivy League team in the poll at number 21, up three spots from number 24 last week. They've only played 14 games this year. That's the least amongst top 25 teams in the College Insider mid-major poll. Montana at 12 and 6 out of the Big Sky. Charleston down 10 spots from last week at 14 and 6. Uh, they only got 88 points in the poll, down 10 spots. Then Cal Santa Barbara at number 24 and Jacksonville State, that same team that we said hurt Belmont. Uh, they climb into the poll after not being ranked. So I think that Belmont falling five spots after losing to what is now uh, a ranked uh, Jacksonville State team in overtime seems a bit harsh, but Jacksonville State, number 25 in the mid-major poll. I think it's also respect for Belmont and what they've done the last decade. And just I've always the loved Belmont. I was the big Belmont guy in the tournament. Whenever Belmont would play anyone, I would always pick them. Most of the time, I'd be All like, ETSU fans now hate your guys. Do they really? Oh, yeah. Okay, well... I, I like really any major team that makes the NCAA tournament. It's not just a Belmont thing. ETSU is the same. No, thing. no, I think most ETSU fans pull for Ben Majors. There's just yeah. a few they don't. Just Belmont is now. Yeah, Chattanooga, Belmont. I mean, well, Chattanooga, okay. There's there's probably UNCG <laughs> last year. Probably what a whole lot of guys. I for UNCG <laughs> last year. Is Belmont really at that level? The UNCG and Chattanooga? Maybe I just don't know the history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, oh, several, okay. several teams, uh, uh, ETSU could have gone to the NCAA tournament were staunched and stomped on by the well, Belmont. Well, I will set up and go away then. There we go. Yeah. See, we're not as mad at Lipscomb because we always beat Lipscomb. That was always the key there. Yeah. Teams you always beat, you're fine with if they win. So. All right, tomorrow, another edition, Sanderson Sidekick. I'm back at it.